Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. We are excited to be talking about football. Even though we are a couple months away from kickoff, we've got a lot of things that are coming down the pipe. We've got some new commits. We've got a lot of new freshmen on campus. We're going to dig into that, as well as the ever-brewing quarterback controversy and questions from our board, that on this and so much more on this episode of the Frogcast. As always, we want to thank our sponsor, Teen Life, that goes out of their way to support junior high and high school students throughout DFW and beyond. If you have not yet, go to teenlife.ngo and find ways that you can volunteer and invest in our communities and help elevate the lives of teenagers so that they can be successful in this game of life. We love that Teen Life goes out of their way to get inside of schools, to offer tutoring and resources and the tools for them to make good decisions to take responsibility for, for their lives. So if you believe in students and you believe even giving them opportunities that maybe weren't handed to them, I want you to go ahead and support Teen Life through your time and through your money. Jeremy Clark, Jeff Mitchell, Daniel Southern, the man behind the throne making it happen tonight. Jeremy, how are you doing? Doing good, my friend. Doing good. That is good news. Let's just go ahead and get to the talking points. The Frogs have had three commits since our last episode. Let's go ahead and start at wide receiver out of Blinn Junior College, Danny Gray. Uh, Jeremy, tell me a little bit about his backstory and what the Frogs are landing in his commitment. This is one of those kids I wasn't surprised to see commit because out of Dallas-Madison in 2017, he really, really wanted that TCU offer. Pretty much a calculation if he got from TCU, he's a frog. He's taking risks. He's to where TCU really didn't commit it. He was going to be with Missouri. He ended up winning. And he graduated the first year. And then last year averaged, I think it's like 25 per catch. And he's just going to have outstanding speed. He's second size. He'll be a replacement if Jay Gunn, you're expected in the NFL. Man would come there and say the numbers Jalen does. But at least give the frog on thread. He's very fast, catches the ball well, runs great routes, trains margin. Sergeant Hood is one of the best receiver trainers in the state of Texas and really in the nation. So he, he's gotten to where he's just became a overall really really good receiver it's a big land for them i i'm excited for him the only bad thing is is he won't be here probably until next may uh, i don't think he's going to graduate this december so he might be one of those guys that that gets here in may but there is a slight outside chance that he could get here in december and go through spring ball but uh very big land for them uh, if you look at his film frog's got a great one he's already i think Last I looked, it was either number two or number three Juco receiver in the country. So that that's a pretty good player that you're getting from those ranks. So very good pickup for the Frogs. Yeah, 24-7 has him listed as the number two wide receiver in the JUCO ranks, and uh, that is a big land. Hopefully he'll be here in January. If he gets here in the, uh, not until after spring, he'll have a higher learning curve, but hopefully he'll be able to get here in January, getting connected to that offense and, and mesh with the team, which is as important as learning the, the tree route. All right, let's flip over to the, um, the offensive line. Let's go down to the offensive line. The Frogs landed two offensive linemen in the last seven days. Let's start with Michael Nichols out of Justin, Northwest High School, Justin, Texas. Tell us about Michael Nichols and how he ended up with the Frogs. Man, he's a, he's a good kid. He's very quiet. Uh, I saw him on campus uh, at one of the camps, and it, I could kind of tell there that he was leaning toward TCU. But I saw him, I want to say it was June 7th camp, He's he's really he's really raw, but I think he has a very high ceiling. He's got a good frame. He's he measured in at six five. He weighed two sixty. He's got really long arms, which is really good for tackle. I mean, he went in one on one at the camp that I saw him at. He he was never beat by a defensive lineman, so that's a good thing. He, he uses those arms. He gets leverage. Got really quick feet, and he's got a frame that can add some good weight by the time he gets to college. Spends a couple years in that strength and conditioning program. Joseph Nutboom, if you don't remember, he weighed two hundred and fifty pounds at Plano. 
uh, when he was a senior. So you get a kid that's kind of similar size that Joseph was and has the same kind of frame. And I, I firmly believe that, that Mike can definitely add on some good weight. That was a good pickup. Again, I, he had a Baylor SMU. And I think once the season gets started, more teams going to come into the picture, but he doesn't appear to be the kind of kid that will listen to others. Once his commitment's made, it, it, it it's over with. And that's kind of what he told me when I, when I interviewed him before he committed is, once I decide, it's it's going to be over. And what I like best about this kid is he was talking to me and his coach was with him and his coach was telling me that Michael hates so- social media. He hates Snapchat. He hates Twitter. He hates basically talking about himself. He he hates doing that. He's he's real humble. And I even joked around with him when he, when he was uh, talking about when he's going to make a decision. I said, hey, are you going to narrow down your list like everyone does? And straight up said, that is the most ridiculous thing I see. He goes, I can't stand it when people drop the list to top 15 or top eight. He goes, man, just make your decision and get it over with. <laughs> I told him, I said, so when you commit, you're basically just going to tweet it out real simple. He said, yep, that's all I'm going to do. And that's exactly what he did. He just made a uh, commit. I knew it was coming. I let the board go, hey, be, be on the watch out for this. But just uh, just another great gift for them. I love that kind of attitude. Uh, you know, uh, Ben Baby that writes for Dallas Morning News, I just saw that he was leaving actually today. Uh, he's been posting this series of threads that was called high school transfers that look like college commits where kids make a big deal about the high school that they're transferring from and to and uh, it's always odd how their dad gets a job inside of a power program in the school district of a five or six a team and that seems to be the opposite of Michael Nichols he's not out there interested in letting the world know that they need to respect his decision and after much prayer and all glory to God uh, he just said I'm going to TCU now let's let's put the pads on and go knock some heads I I like that (laughs) Yeah, I mean that—that's exactly how he is, and that's why I say that it. I don't think it would matter if other teams came into the picture and, and tried to land him. I think he's the kind of kid once he gives his word, it's his final word. And 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 I—I'll be honest, it, it's it's kind of like when uh, Boykin was committed to TCU, and everyone's like, "How could TCU only be be his only offer?" TCU wasn't his only offer. The point of the matter is, he told Coach Overton at West Mesquite, "I'm committed to TCU." Tell the other coaches, thanks for recruiting me, but I'm not switching. I'm not changing my mind. So any any letters or anything I get, coach, don't even show them to me. Just throw them in the trash. And I think that's what kind of player Michael's going to be. I, I think he's going to be one of those kids that tells his coaches, hey, don't worry about what coaches come in. I don't really want to talk to them. Just let everyone know politely that I'm committed to TCU and I'm not going to change my mind. I like the sound of that. Let's uh, look at also at the offensive line with another commit here in the last week. Tyler Bailey, there is something about TCU offensive lineman with that long hairdo. Uh, hopefully he doesn't wear it in a man bun. Now, if I wouldn't say anything to him if he did. It's 6'4", uh, 280 pounds. I'm probably going to only get bigger. But Tyler Bailey from down there outside of Houston in Edinburgh, what is your take on him? Um, I think he had quite a winding road to end up in his commitment to TCU. Share with that a little bit with us. He committed on Thursday, right? Or Friday? Friday. Was no, it Friday he, or Thursday? It was Thursday night Wait, that he thir- committed. Thursday, Thursday, Friday. I can't remember. I, I did I feel like I misled everyone on that. That is some inside baseball of Horn Frog Blitz, which if you're not a member, don't lay, go do don't, lay out, don't lay out on me, Jeff. <laughs> no, Tyler was uh Tyler was actually on campus. <sighs> I think it was June 20th maybe June 21st. Anyway, I know he was on campus that morning and he got up there before the camp even started. He was just kind of hanging out with the coaches and everything else. And I'd kind of got some 
got some uh, feedback that there might be some good news coming for TCU. And then by by the Tuesday, Tyler had, go, had gone ahead and let me know that he was coming to TCU, and that's when I posted the stuff. He told me he was committing on Friday, and so that's when I made my post. I'm Hey, I'm committing on Friday. Then his school put out a tweet the next day saying he was announcing on Thursday, and I asked Tyler, I said, hey, your school put this out. Are you changing to Thursday? He said, no, I'm still announcing on social media and Twitter and all that on Friday. I said, okay, well, that's fine. I'll, st- I'll, I'll hold it for you until then. And then Thursday comes around. He announces at 630, but nothing's out on the internet. I mean, you could search his name, search the high school, and I'm sure that's what a lot of Frog fans were doing because they're, they're looking at his high school tweet, and they're going to believe that they're going to announce it 635 tops. In five minutes, that's how long it takes for these announcements. And then he finally texted me at 9 and said, hey, I went ahead and, and decided to announce tonight. And then he sent me his Twitter and uh, that's how that went down. But Chris, uh, Chris Thompson did a, a great job recruiting him. And the the staff just loves the kid. I mean, he is a mean kid. He's He plays tackle for his school, but I think he's going to transition to guard or center. And, and I've asked some folks where they think he ultimately ends up, and I think they're pointing more towards center. But he's extremely strong. If you watch that video where he's training – I mean, he pops the heck out of that pad. He's got some really, really strong upper body. And I know they like his feet work, and they just like the fact that he's a a mean kid. And this is a kid that had some really good interests. He had USC. He had Oregon. He had LSU. And a lot of those schools just were heavily recruiting him. And it wouldn't shock me if more schools come into the picture for him now that he's committed to TCU. But I, I think, just like Michael, that he's one of those kids that, He's already put it out there on Twitter. He's already made it known that he wanted to, to be a horn Frog, and I don't see him as one of those kids that changes his mind uh, during the process. I think he, I don't think he would have made his announcement if he wasn't ready and, and, and firmly committed to TCU. So two, two offensive linemen, basically one of them's real quiet. The other one's kind of quiet. He, he does at least post on Twitter, but I think both of them are, are fully committed to TCU and, and – they're excited to be part of the program. So that gives the Frogs three offensive linemen in this class. We're going to get to listener questions here in just a minute, but let me just ask this question because it's on everybody's mind. We have a smaller class in the 2020 cycle. We already have three offensive linemen. Uh, what are the needs on the offensive line as well as the defensive line that you think are going to get filled out um, between now and in, in, in signing day, whether it's first signing day or the second signing day, what do you think the frogs are looking to do on both sides of the offensive and defensive side? Well, you got to look at the offensive line first. They're losing Lucas, Anthony, and, and David Bolasomi at the conclusion of the 2019 season. So you've got to find three tackles. And if you look at the guys they've signed right now, really they've only signed one tackle. Now they'd signed Marcus Williams and Andrew Coker as, as part of the 2019 class. And Brandon Brown actually played left tackle in the spring game, although that was his first time to play tackle at, that, at left tackle in two years from what he told me. Um, but I, I do think that they want to at least get another offensive tackle, uh, especially a, a Juco guy. Um, they, they really – uh, hit a home run with Anthony Anthony McKinney uh, in the 2018 class. He made an impact last year, and that's really their sell to these JUCO guys that you can come in here and play right away. We're losing our two starting tackles, so we'll have a huge need for a JUCO guy, someone that has uh, college experience. Brandon Coleman's a guy that I know they like. 
Uh, and really, truly, they wish they had a, a scholarship right now to give him because he's he was a full qualifier out of high school. Problem is, they don't have any scholarship to give him, and so he has to stay down there at Trinity Valley for for this year. He redshirted last year, so he would still be, uh, I think, a, a three for three if he does indeed commit to TCU during during this uh, recruiting cycle. But uh, the other guys, the the other JUCO kid, the the big six seven. I'm losing my mind right now thinking of what his name is. Uh, the kid out of uh, California with the the foreign kid, uh, Dennis Davis. He visited him. Who? I was I was reaching back to nineteen ninety uh not nineteen ninety eight basketball <laughs> team. I guess it's not Dennis Davis. Did you say? <laughs> sounds like a foreign name to me. <laughs> no, it's, 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 for, it's for old school Killian. basketball. I think, I think I think his name. I think his name is Killian. Man, I cannot believe I'm I'm having this is. This is old age sitting in. This, this old age setting in, and and me losing my mind. I mean, I just uh, drives me nuts. Now you've got me looking. I'm, I'm now I'm gonna look on the offer list. I think his name is kill. His, his name's Killian. All right. Well, if you find I it, know let for it... fact his name's Killian. Jeff, you're supposed to be able to. Back his name me is Killian. Where's Daniel at? Daniel should have already. Had- all right, his his last name's Killian. His first name is George, if I remember right, and it's uh, he's got a red jersey on. So, all right, let's go ahead and transition out of here. We could we can we can Google that later. Uh, I want to I want to look at a couple of things before we get to our listener questions in the time that we have left. Number one, uh, you had a big post on the board uh, in the last two days about the impact of this freshman class and the way that people are responding to it, what they've already kind of done to the culture inside of the football program. Give us two or three highlights. Give us two or three teasers about what you're hearing specifically. Name names, baby, about what we're hearing about the twenty nine or the twenty nineteen class that's on campus and the impact that they're making. I think that's something our listeners what would want you, to know, especially as football season what is. What do you want to know in particular? Like what do you what, what All right, let's start with this. We've got all right, tell me about the two boys out of Newton because we have Barlow and we have Foster. Tell me what you're hearing about them. Well, I've been told that they can't get Barlow tired. He just runs for days and days, and he's he's really looked good as far as uh, the freshman coming in, just being able to take on the workout routine and especially the running part of it. He's just just running past people. And, and really, like I said, they can't get him tired. And he passes the eyeball test. There's There's a, been a bunch of people – and I, I've seen him on campus when I was at a camp, and the kid. And I've always said this about Barlow with uh, he and Demarque Foster. It's Barlow with the eyeball test. He looks like the kid that's ready to walk onto the field and, and play right away. Kind of reminds me of Darius Anderson, the way he looked when he first got to TCU. Um, Demarque is kind of a difference maker when the pads come on, and that kid's got you know thighs as wide as a tree trunk. I mean, he is he is big uh when it comes to his legs so that's that's where his strength is is with his power but uh the other foster josh foster that is a kid that could be the sleeper of the class and and every time i talk to people about him it's man he's got great leadership he's going to be better than people think 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 you guys had him underrated uh he's got chris hackett ball skills just very smart defensive player has a great frame can add a lot of good weight, and and they have really high expectations for him. I, I don't think he's going to come in and, and see uh, the field consistently as a true freshman, but I think down the line we'll see him getting to play a lot more. 
One of the other guys that you mentioned in your write-up, D. Winters, we had him projected in the defensive backfield when he committed out of high school. You say he might be moving a little closer to the box. Tell, a little, tell our fans about um, that, move, that, that decision to move him up to linebacker and what you're, what you're hearing about what the, what the staff are seeing about him. Oh, that I mean, Coach P told me straight up Winters is playing linebacker, and, and he's – I asked why is he playing linebacker, and because he's, he's big. He's like 6'1", 215 right now. And he runs fast, and they need they need players at the position. So he's he's one of those players that was so versatile in high school, and played could play quarterback, could play running back, could play receiver, could play safety, corner, and just just an athlete. And he comes from that small school where they play everything. So he's never really just focused solely on football. So I think him being in TCU strength and conditioning program this this off season this summer running and everything and, and being able to eat eat good and, and train, I think he's going to be a solid 210. And, and, and really, he, he just kept growing, man. I'm, I first met D when he was a sophomore, and he was like 5'10", and it's just amazing how much he's grown the last two years. And just, just goes to show that some of these kids, even though they're 5'10", as sophomores, doesn't necessarily mean that's what they're going to be when they graduate. I mean – there are kids out there that just have huge growth spurts between their sophomore and senior years. And, and he's one of those guys, but they have pretty good expectations for him. Say so he's doing pretty good in, in, in the offseason workouts, but we'll see how it goes. I, I think it's going to be tough for a true freshman to come in and, and uh, make an impact right away at linebacker. But he certainly is a guy that I think could be playing some this year. One more guy that's a true freshman. The Frogs won a big recruiting battle to win and to keep Andrew Coker out at Suburban Houston. Uh, one of my friends that follows the Aggies way too close for his own mental health. He said if if someone would have just arbitrarily given Coker a four star, that the Aggies would have uh, gone after him. That he was high on their board, but they're so obsessed with stars that they didn't want to lock him in and bring their numbers down. Texas did go after him, and he made an official visit to Austin before signing day, and he's still committed to the Frogs. So the Frogs were able to get a big recruiting battle over Texas for Andrew Coker. I hear that he is not shying away from leadership, not just that he's you know got good hands, good feet, and a big kid, but that he is really owning the mantle of leadership. What are you hearing about Andrew Coker beyond his ability to knock people down? Yeah, I'm excited for Andrew because when I saw him last spring – Everyone remembered Andrew Coker being the 6'6", 350-pound kid that kind of looked overweight, wasn't real quick on his feet. He shows up to the opening last summer or last last spring in Houston and was 6'6", 315, and moved extremely well. Your A&M buddy, I mean, they, they're crazy for not going after him. I mean, he was, it, it, by some uh, suggestions, he was the best tackle in the state. Uh, down especially down in the Houston area so TCU really got a a good player in him but it's kind of cool where he's come into the picture since he's been on campus the way they do the off-season workouts the veterans the guys that have already been on campus they'll run like 14 110 110s 14 110s that's you're running 110 yards for people that don't know the you know the context of what I'm talking about 14 110s and the younger players run seven. They're all they get asked to do is run seven of them. And Andrew basically said, "I'm not going to run seven. I'm going to run 14 because I'm going to be trying to be part of this veteran group." And so that's just kind of the leadership that he has right now. That he wants to come in 
and make that in immediate impact. You could see that from the skill guy, the guy that can run all day, but for an offensive lineman to come in there and do that, that's that speaks volumes for him. And and I think uh, he'll be one of those guys, probably won't make an impact this year, but with Lucas and David and Anthony leaving after this season, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be uh, extremely high to watch on the depth chart to see kind of where he lands. I, I, I personally think he's going to be – either the starter at left or right tackle next year as a, as a, I think he'll play this year. I don't think he'll red shirt. Uh, so I think t- next year he'll be a sophomore. All right. One last guy. He's not a freshman, but he is brand new to campus. And that is Shamik Blackshear, the transfer from South Carolina. Uh, you know, he had some injuries. He was obviously a highly rated kid coming out of high school, but he is on campus. Is he getting any attention from his teammates or from the staff? Because I think that's a guy that oh, is yeah. going to be a determining factor in whether the Frogs win eight games or 10 or 11 games. The kid looks like a beast. I mean, he looks – every year TCU seems to be getting these more dy- dynamic-looking athletes, the guys that just – if you look at the safeties for crying out loud, they're all six two, six three between two hundred five and two fifteen. That's that's TCU's three starting safeties, and so they've gotten bigger at each position. You look at Ross Blacklock; he's six four, three twenty, three fifteen, depending on who you ask right now. But Shamik just looks—you could tell that kid came from the SEC. I mean, he is just a big kid. He's lost some weight, but that's a good thing. He looks extremely in shape. He he hasn't come in with a. I'm from the SEC attitude. I'm better than you guys. He's came in and taken a business-like approach. He knows this is his last chance to make an impression for NFL scouts. He knows he's in a great place to play defense, especially play defensive end. LJ Collier, Ben Banigou proved last year with them getting selected in the first two rounds that TCU defensive ends get looked at. And the attitude is just – that's, that's what you want, man. You want a kid that comes in there, has that senior leadership. They want someone to come in and be a senior leader. You lost LJ, you lost Ben, you lost Ty Summers. So there's not, there's not a whole lot of leadership coming back on defense. They have a ton of talent, but they really don't have a vocal leader. And, and hopefully Shamit can be one of those guys. He's been in the trenches. He's been in the biggest battles in the SEC. I know some people hate talking about the SEC, but if we're being – truthful with each other and, and everyone else that's listening. We all know the SEC is a powerful conference. Games are won inside the trenches. They got huge offensive linemen. They got huge defensive linemen. And they're all fast. They're all athletic. And, and I think that's what he brings to TCU's defense. He's going to be a guy. I don't think he's going to uh, – I personally am not going to predict him being an all-conference top player, but I think he will come in and be a kid that will provide uh, some some good stats, at least as far as – maybe not in the stat column, but maybe just being able to create havoc to where O'Shawn Mathis has a good year. You know what I mean? Kind of like what LJ was his junior year. He didn't have big stats, but he had just enough of a good season where everyone was kind of talking about him. And I think that's what's going to happen with Shamik. I think he's going to have a good enough season where TCU fans are going to look back and say, man, it was it was good that we had him on defense, especially this uh, with, with the way that they lost defensive ends, it was really good having Shamik on campus and, and him here for his senior year. That is so good to hear because that's a position of need, obviously, but it's also not just a position of talent. It's somebody that, that's got some season under that, that that's a seasoned player 
that is not going to be thrown off by seeing new things, that's not going to be shaken by, you know, going to play in Oklahoma or go to play in Stillwater. Those things are going to be something that, hey, I've, I've been here before. I played in the swamp. I played it in Georgia. It's not going to bother me to go to Oklahoma, to go to Norman, uh, heck, to go to Ames, Iowa. You know, those things aren't going to throw them off. So it looks like that's going to be a great addition. All right, we've got about seven. I've got some breaking news real quick. Go. i got breaking news real quick. Killian Zaire is the kid's name. <laughs> I'm telling you, the whole time I was answering these questions the last 15 minutes, and I was still looking for the uh, – I was just waiting to give you that name. Everyone is relieved to hear that. The, the Juco offensive tackle. That's your beat reporter, guys, taking 15 minutes to figure out the kid's name. <sighs> we'll let it go this time. All right, we've got five. We've got six or seven minutes here. Let's go ahead and 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 get a couple of things in here. I got two things I want to do in seven minutes left. One, Jeremy, who is? Let's talk quarterback. I'm not going to put you on the spot and say who's going to be the starting quarterback going into the Arkansas Pine Bluff game because I can tell you right now it's going to be Alex Delton. Let's talk about quarterback. Just in terms of depth versus health versus knowledge versus experience versus stars versus eligibility, give us the the landscape of the quarterback without pitting one player against each other because we needless to say we all support every one of these players. Uh, tell us what we don't know or what we don't want to hear about the status of the quarterback room because I think this is, you know, you talk about clickbait. You post an article that says update on the quarterback situation. Everybody's going to post on it. Everybody's going to click on it. And everybody's got opinion on it. And very few of those opinions are very uh, informed, to be totally honest. So I want to hear your take. I'm going to tell you a little bit of some things I think, and then we're going to move on to listener questions. So let's just cut to the chase. Tell us what we don't want to hear or don't know about quarterback. <laughs> Man, we should have done this first because this could be talked about for an I hour. I did that on purpose. I mean, honestly, yeah. I mean, it's it's man, it's going to be a hot topic all the way until the Pine Bluff game, and and really, no matter what I say, there's there's going to be people that doubt what I say, or there's going to be people that are argumentative to what I say, and I'm just going to be frank. I, I I don't have any reason to throw stuff up against the wall to see if it sticks. That's not my that's not my persona. I don't I, I don't like being considered a homer like you know like some guys do. I'm going to tell you what I'm hearing and I'm I'm going to relay it to you guys. Some people hear different. I don't just talk to one person. I don't. I'm sorry. I you, through the years I've covered this team, I've developed quite a bit of relationships and I'm sorry for some people that don't like to hear some of the things I say, I'm not talking bad about kids. I'm not trying to talk bad about any particular quarterbacks. It's just what I'm hearing. And it seems these days people really freaking hate the messenger. And it's – I understand you you hear all the stuff in the past. Well, Jeremy said this, but this happened. Jeremy said that – and it happens. It does happen. But as far as what they got today, I, I, I'll bring up something to you. I was, I was talking to some people, and I said, man, the quarterback battle is going to be really interesting. I mean, really, only only, only the, the only kid that's healthy right now are Max Duggan and Alex Delton. And they said, Max Duggan. And I said, that's right, because Delton had his knee cleaned out the last day of spring ball. And so he's still 
kind of rehabbing right now. So really the, the guy that is the healthiest on the roster right now is Max. He hasn't had any procedure done at all. Um, with, with Justin, it's, it's drop foot guys. It's no secret. It's, it's no secret. And, and no matter how much you try to, to fix drop foot, you can have surgeries. If, if that thing doesn't fuse right, there's no, there's no matter how much time you spend in the weight room therapy, Sometimes it just doesn't fuse right, and, and you do have to go back and have surgery. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I do know that it's not 100%, and that's that's going to limit some of the things that he's going to be able to do. That doesn't that doesn't mean that he won't win the job. He can go back there and be like Dwayne Haskins, and and you know TCU couldn't get to Dwayne Haskins last year, and look what he did. Um, but as far as just the overall perspective, it, just talking to people and, and getting a ton of feedback. Alex Delton, he he was the consistent one in the spring. His flaw, he's not good in third and long. He, he struggled a little bit in third and long situations. He's got great feet, so he can make plays with his feet. The best vertical passer, I've posted this, best vertical guys from, from people I've spoken with, defensive people, the the – the toughest one to defend was Justin Rogers. He throws a great vertical ball and Mike Collins from last year. You talk about practices, Mike Collins threw a great vertical ball. The guy that was overall the most consistent and put the most fear into the defense, Max Duggan. And so I'm relaying this stuff to you guys, whether it comes to fruition or not, I'm just telling you what happened in spring. Spring's gone though. Spring is washed away. It's all forgotten. Now you look toward fall. You're going to have Mike Collins back. Mike Collins is going to bring another dimension to the battle. Alex Delton's going to be back. Matthew Baldwin's not going to take a snap till September. If you guys missed that, I'll post on board. He, excuse me, he had surgery, so he's out till September. Justin will go through fall or fall camp just like he did spring, but he's still going to be limited by some of the things he could do. Mobility wise, can he stand in the pocket and throw? Yes, he can. But that's why I'm telling people with Delton and Duggan, it you're just talking to people around the program, and it's no secret. Gary Patterson's going to want a guy that can run with his run with his legs. He wants a guy that's mobile. Um, as far as uh, decision making, Alex and and Max were kind of tied on that situation. Justin was a little bit behind him. Uh, the guy that some people talked about was the the Downing kid, the, the Georgia transfer, that he actually made good decisions um, during spring ball. So it's going to be a battle that is going to be extremely fun to watch. I don't think we're going to hear anything about who's leading or who's not leading until the week of the Pine Bluff game. I can tell you right now, Gary Patterson's not going to take a quarterback to the uh, Big 12 media days, although he did tell me that he would take Alex because he knows Alex would be a great representative of TCU, but then he doesn't want to start any kind of quarterback speculation. So it's, it's going to be an open competition and may the best man win. And like I did in the spring, I will relay what good things I'm hearing, what bad things. And I would, I would tell people just, Stop looking at the rankings from what they were in high school. Yes, we all know Justin was highly ranked. Yes, we all know Max was highly ranked. Matthew Baldwin's a high, highly ranked kid. 
We all know what Alex Delton did at Kansas State, so we have that sour taste in our mouth. We know what Mike Collins can do. And it's it with, with Justin and Max, it's fun to play with the shiny new things, but I'm just telling you right now, TCU doesn't care. The, those rankings are not posted on the board. They mean squat. It's going to be whoever's the best. I, I don't right. know how better to explain it or how to be more just to the point, but that's that's what you're looking at. That is that is. Well it's ex- not. It's not. I'm not trying to talk bad about any particular quarterback. I'm, I'm I'm being completely honest, full disclosure, and I I get I get where people their their fan clubs of of Justin or Max or Baldwin and and their heart wants them to win the job, but I. I'm being as uh, as objective as I can, telling you guys, if Delton is the starter and Duggan's the backup, don't be surprised. If Delton's the starter and Duggan or uh, Collins is the backup and Duggan's third team, don't be surprised. If Justin Rogers is second team, don't be surprised. I'm just saying right now, uh, from everything from the spring, Delton did enough to where if – the first snap was tomorrow. He would be the starter. But like I said earlier, spring is gone now. Now now here comes the fall. And whoever does the best in the fall. That is what people need to hear. Because we have literally no clue. But I don't want to presuppose that if one thing happens, if, if Alex starts, if, if Max starts, that therefore something is wrong with the football team this year. I uh, just my two cents. Since nobody asked, I'm going to wrap it up this way. I think Mac Duggan takes the most snaps for TCU this year. I don't know if he's going to start against Pine Bluff. I don't think so. I said Alex would. I think Max is going to take the most snaps this year. And I think in and I've heard this, and I'm not you, so don't you don't pretend like I'm Mr. Source here, like Jeremy Clark. Uh, I've heard that if the Frogs had gone nine and three last year and won their bowl game, that Max would be the starter. Um, you know, and you can take that for what it's worth, but I'm, I'm pretty high on max, but we don't know anything and we're really not going to know anything probably until after the Purdue game. So that's really the best way to uh, assess where, where the situation is at quarterback. All right. I'm going to give you the last word. My my, my biggest, my biggest, uh, my biggest argument before we stop talking about it is, uh, and and maybe it's just me, but I don't think it's just me, but I, I bang my head up against the wall when I read some of the posts that, if Delton's the starter or Collins the starter, the season's going to be a wash. But if Justin's the starter or Max or Baldwin, we have a chance at playoff contention. And I'm trying to get people to convince me, which no one has yet, to convince me if Delton or Collins beats out those guys in fall camp, playing against TCU's defense, how how is it possible that they can't lead TCU to a good season if they beat out the guys that everyone else is saying could lead TCU to a good season, there's no good. Re- Just ponder that for a little bit. There's no good reason. And don't give that. me the don't give me the rankings. Don't give me the rankings because I don't care about the rankings, and neither do they. Jeff Ballard was a <laughs> two star kid. He was here under Gary Patterson. I mean, the list goes on with kids where walk ons and under recruited players have have played. Uh, the, the quarterback position for TCU. And that's that's just how it goes. And I, I made a point where Sean Robinson was a five-star kid and, and at that point was the highest rated 
kid to ever commit to TCU. How did he turn out? It doesn't all go about rankings. Sometimes we do make, us recruiting evaluators, we do make mistakes. I'm not saying Justin wasn't a good player or Max isn't a good player because both of them are extremely talented out of high school. But I'm just I'm just throwing caution to the wind. Don't just don't just base your argument off of what they're ranked in high school. You've got to at least see how they could pick up. Because I've seen I've seen receivers that are five star receivers that can't remember a playbook. They can't do any they, they can't get on the field because they can't remember their plays. Or running backs that fumble the ball all of a sudden when they get to college. Or offensive linemen that can't make blocks. How many how many times have we seen Texas have highly ranked recruiting classes and then we hardly hear about them two or three years down the line. I think the word you're looking for is annually. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm I'm just saying that just convince, convince me why, convince me why the other three Rogers, Duggan and, and Baldwin could lead TCU to the promised land. If they don't beat out Delton, Delton and Collins, this convinced me. Well, I'm not, and that's the answer. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap this show up here. So I'm gonna go ahead and uh, let you have the last word. Uh, give me uh, one word answer. Who is the starting quarterback against Arkansas Pine Bluff? Delton. All right. That's what I wanted to hear. All right, we're going to bring this show to an end. We know we're a little short tonight. We've got some other things going on in life that are going to bring this to a close, but we appreciate you listening. We are moving towards a much more consistent system here, a post in here. You're going to hear a little more about that in the near future. We're going to be moving towards a weekly show very shortly, especially with football season almost here. So for Daniel Southern and for Jeff Mitchell, I'm, or for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast. <laughs>